I know. Sweet, sweet. What's going on, everybody? How are we doing today? We doing good? Awesome. Sweet. Well, I think we're going to get started. If anybody else comes in late, can somebody, Jay, Lisa, could you guys help get them instructions? Sweet. All right. Jay, Lisa, are y'all technically in this class too? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go. All right, everybody. Well, hey, welcome to Equip. We are so excited that you're here tonight. Um, if this is your first Equip class um, with New Song, welcome. These nights are all about just going deeper with topics that we can't necessarily spend an entire series on or spend um, a, a weekend message on, um, but these are nights equipped to equip you. They're, they're nights where we can go deeper on a specific topic. And what's really cool about all of the classes happening tonight um, is they are all really about the same thing. All of the, all of the classes tonight, what's up guys, are talking about our habits, um, but each one is going to be for a specific group of people. So obviously you're here. This is habits directed towards your marriage. Um, there's a parenting class and then there's just one for purposeful living in general. But welcome to the class. We're super excited that you're here because um, if you're here, you know that marriage is a big deal, right? Marriage is a big deal. It takes a lot of work um, and it's not something that man invented, but marriage is something God invented. Yeah. God invented marriage. Um, and so there's something supernatural about it, and it takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of work. Uh, but before we get into the class, uh, just a little bit about who we are. My name is Jackson Wilson. If you don't know me, uh, this is my wife, Haley. She's amazing. Um, and I'm the student pastor here at the church, um, and we've been here for four and a half years. We love new songs so much. Seriously, could not imagine being a part of another church community. God has blessed us so much and been so faithful in our life with, with you guys. We see you guys as our family, and we're just grateful to be a part of what God is doing here. I hope you feel that way too. Um, I, I see a lot of people in the room who have been recently planted into the family, and um, just on our end, we're so excited to see how God grows you guys and roots you into our family. Um, so we're super excited you're here. But uh, with all that being said, we actually have only been married four and a half years. Um, and so I recognize that there are some people in the room who have been married for different amounts of time. Some of you have been married a lot longer than four and a half years. There are some of you who have not been married four and a half years. Uh, are, is there anybody who is not married yet? Back in the back. Let's go. Calling That's awesome. What's up? Welcome. This is really good. This is going to be a good class for you. So um, like I said, we, we have not been married like the longest amount of time, and we recognize that. So we want to just kind of clear the air. We are not saying that we are experts, not experts. at any of this. Mm -mm. Um, and I'll get to really the heart behind this class in just a second, but do you want to just talk about some of the seasons we've walked yeah. through as a married yeah, couple? Yeah, so as a married couple, we've walked through quite a bit in our four and a half years. We, I used to work full-time at the church with Jackson, um, so we worked full-time together. Just think about that. Some of y'all do that, I'm sure. I know some people in this room who do that. Uh, we would wake up at the same time and drive to work to the same place and work the same amount of hours and then drive home and then do just everything. It was like identical. And then we transitioned from that and I moved to a different career. Um, and we did a whole different season with that. We've moved states. We've moved uh, places. Uh, we've experienced loss. There was a whole season of our marriage there where like in one month, all of our grandparents died. It was absolutely crazy. And... Uh, we've experienced and walked through that season. We've walked through some divorce in our families with people we love. We've walked through new family members, step-siblings, step-parents, things coming in. 
Uh, I already said career transitions. And then, of course, we have a daughter. She's two. And we walked through that season, pregnancy, having a baby, and now being the parents of a two-year-old. If you have any tips, please let us know later. Yeah, so, like, just from the get-go, we just want to, like, clear the air uh, in the sense and just say, like, we are not here to teach in a way or have you expect from us that we are experts at anything that we're talking about tonight because the reality is if we were to have, like, I was talking about this with Haley yesterday, if we were to have a reality TV show, like, camera crew in our house, like, 24-7, yeah, the, yeah, the real Wilsons of OKC, OKC yeah. uh, you would find out that we are probably a lot like you. Yeah. We're not perfect. Uh, we argue. Yes. Uh, we get behind on our chores. We do that yes. thing where you're like, I'm going to throw all of the clean laundry on our bed so we have to fold it before like we weeks, go to bed. Two weeks later, you and just then, rewash everything. Well, yeah, because then before you go to bed, you're like, nah, and you throw it back in the bin, and then you do that for like a month. Like we, We're like you guys. Like We're normal people, normal married couples, um, and we are trying to figure this out just like every single one of you guys. But with that being said, something I know we can say from experience um, is since we were married from day one, we have committed to pursuing oneness um, every single day. And I would say probably now in the last six months, six to 12 months, more than ever, we've actually been starting to get really intentional about like, okay, what are the habits in our marriage that are forming who we are as a couple, forming our family, forming um, our daughter now, Marlo. And so uh, really that is, that is our hope for all of us tonight in this class. Um, that all of us through this course, through what we're talking about, would just take an analysis of the habits that we do every single day as a couple and just start to be intentional with our daily habits that we choose to walk in because there might be something we say that we do specifically as a couple um, in our marriage that you're like, hey, that's a really good idea. I want to borrow that and use that. Um, but more than us telling you this is what you should do, uh, we realize that every single marriage looks very different. Would you guys agree with me? You could probably know this by having siblings who are married um, and you get to know them and you're like, wow, you guys do marriage a lot different than we do. Every single marriage is very different. And not only that, but uh, if you've been married for like any amount of time, like longer than six months, then you know that your marriage is constantly morphing. It's constantly changing and evolving as you guys go through different seasons of life. So what works for Haley and I in the season of life that we're in right now, it might not necessarily work for your marriage depending on the schedules that you have because you might not work the same schedules that we have. You might work the same schedule as your spouse. It's going to depend on how many kids you have. We only have one kid. A lot of people in the room have a lot more than one kid. Some of you guys have no kids. So all of those different factors are going to determine how you take the information we talk about today and adapt it to your marriage. Um, but really, that's the whole point of this class. This class is not about us teaching you how to have an amazing marriage because we are still learning how to do that. The point of this class is just awareness. Yeah. It's for all of us to not go through our marriages unaware. Does that make sense? To not just like float through our marriages, just doing the routine and letting life happen to us but really taking control of our marriage, thinking about the daily habits that we're doing together as a couple, and, um, and then taking the stuff from tonight and just adapting it to your marriage, whatever that looks like for you guys. And so with that being said, uh, like I said, we're excited to teach this class. We're very honored that 
our pastors invited us to teach this class. Um, and so we hope you guys came ready to grow. We hope you came ready to be sharpened. Um, we hope you came ready to talk to your spouse because this is not going to just be us talking the whole time. We are going to have uh, two exercises, if we have time, uh, where we're going to break off and we are going to give you guys 10 to 15 minutes um, twice in this class to actually talk about this stuff because the reality is we could tell you, hey, do this for homework and nobody's actually going to do that because life is crazy. Amen. So we have carved out time in this class to make that happen. And so um, if your spouse isn't here, you can still write the stuff down and talk about it later. But definitely if you guys are together, just be ready. We're going to be talking about our bad habits uh oh, and our good habits. Yep. Um, and so we'll get to that in a little bit. Before we do, though, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into tonight and just ask him to breathe on everything we're going to do, all right? So, Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I'm so grateful for our church, God. I'm so grateful for marriage, God. Marriage is such a gift, and it's hard work, and, um, and it takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of the Holy Spirit, partnering with the Holy Spirit, but tonight there's a room full of married couples and soon to be married couples or hoping to be married couples, God, who, who want to take their marriages to a deeper level, um, to be more uh, one flesh than ever before. And so I lift up every single couple in the room tonight. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would breathe on everything that Haley and I talk about tonight because the reality is we don't know what everybody's lives look like, but you do and you are in control and you're the author of our lives. And so help us to partner with you, Holy Spirit, our helper, so that you can sharpen our marriages so we can look like you. Marriage is supposed to reflect the image of God to our world. And we want to be marriages that do that, that people look at our marriage and they say, there is something supernatural about that couple. So help us to do that tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay. Um, before we get into the class, really quick, um, just, a, uh, just to let you guys know, all of the content from this class, or like 80% of it, um, that was uh, used to write this class and heavily influenced influence this class and all the other classes that are happening tonight came from these two books. So if you want to jot these down, I think they're in your notes. Um, we want to talk about these two books uh, that I would highly recommend all of us purchase, uh, do Audible, go through together. The first one is called The Common Rule. And the second one is called Habits of the Household. Um, both of these books were written by the same author. The guy's name is Justin Whitmill Early. And um, like I said, every class that's happening tonight is basically teaching the same exact material, just specifically for a group of people. And so uh, if you're looking at getting your next book to read, if you're a big reader, I would highly recommend getting both of these books. Um, to go through as a couple or individually, whatever you guys like to do. But just so you know, the first one, The Common Rule, this book is going to lean more into your individual habits. So it's going to talk about analyzing your habits personally, not necessarily as a couple, um, and just analyzing them to see, like, are my habits that I do every single day helping me to be transformed into a better image of Jesus, or are my habits that I'm not looking at and analyzing, pulling me away from that image. So the common rule has really amazing stuff individually for you. And then Habits of the Household, honestly, is an incredible book. 
It is such a good read, and I would encourage all of you guys to get this, but this one is definitely written for a specific person in mind. This book is written for a married couple with kids, um, and so it's definitely tying, it's like, it's, it's gearing towards uh, parenting, how you're functioning as a household collectively and as a married couple. So if you're married and don't have kids yet, man, this would be a great tool for you guys to already start thinking about how you want the culture of your home to look. But definitely, if you have kids, it's never too late. Get this book and just start reading the stuff in it because there's some gems in both of these. But with all that being said, let's get into habits. Are you all ready to get into habits? Okay, so in the, uh, in the introduction of this book, The Common Rule, uh, Justin Early, the author, he opens up the whole book with a quote from a guy named David Foster Wallace. I don't actually know who that is, so does anybody know who David Foster Wallace is? Okay, he's a pastor. That's cool. Um, maybe not. I don't know. But this guy, David Foster Wallace, uh, spoke at a college ceremony, graduation ceremony in 2005, and he shared a, a short story. Um, and the short story was called This Is Water. And the whole idea is to really just paint a picture of the, the fact that the habits that we do every single day make up a majority of our life without us even realizing it. So here's what he says to this college graduate ceremony. He says, there are these two, two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them. Morning, boys. How's the water? And the other two fish swim on for a bit, and eventually one of them looks over to the other and goes, what the heck is water? <laughs> and the whole idea is that habits are the water that we swim in. This is a concept that Justin Early talks about a lot in the book. That's one of your points. Habits are the water that we swim in. And the point to that story is this. The most obvious and important realities that are often the ones that are hardest to see and hardest to talk about in our life. And as far as habits go, the invisible reality is that we are all living and going through our days, our weeks, our relationships, our, our marriages, according to specific habits that are shaping most of our life. And sometimes we don't even recognize it. Um, and th the reason why I bring that up is because as believers, we are called to see that life um, does not last forever. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about how life is but a vapor, like it is so short, and we're called to seize the moment as, as believers um, and to be intentional about our days. In fact, Ephesians 5.16 says this. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So as believers, we're called to have an awareness of our life, an awareness of where our life is going, but not just an awareness. We're called to be intentional with how we walk through life every single day. And I love uh, how the message translation says this verse. It says, so watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times especially when we're talking about marriage, man. Marriage is, it's a desperate time because really the marriage that we cultivate and steward is going to just flow into our kids. That's how they're gonna learn what marriage looks like. Yeah. And then it just, it just rolls over into legacy. And hopefully all of us in the room want to have a good legacy of yes. marriage throughout life. And so verse 17 says this, because we live in desperate times, 
Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Don't be naive of what's happening. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Right, so the habits we perform on a daily basis, like Jackson just said, make up a huge percentage of our lives. And so I wanna take a second and talk a little bit about some of the science behind a habit. And not to go too deep into it because it's, neurology is complicated and I'm you sure none go. of you signed up for that class tonight. Um, but some of y'all, I kinda said this earlier, career change uh, for me and our marriage, I'm going to PT school now. Any PTs in the house? Any medical professionals in the house? No, just one? Two, three, I see a couple. What up, y'all? I'm one of y'all. Anyway, um, just to sort of make this a little simple, a habit is a task performed to the point that it becomes something that we do subconsciously. We don't really think about it. And um, to simplify this, I want to talk about neural pathways, okay? So a neural pathway. That's really simplifying it. <laughs> neural pathway, y'all know what I'm, I'm saying. Y'all know what I'm saying. Lots of neurons make up how we think and what we do, and they fire signals to each other in our minds and throughout our body all day long through everything that we do. And the way neural pathways work is the more you use a neural pathway, the stronger the neural pathway is. You make insulators around that neural pathway that allow it to fire quicker and quicker and quicker. What, what's a good way to think about this? Does anyone know what a dog run is? Yeah, anyone have some handcrafted dog runs in their backyard? Because we do. That's when your dog runs on the grass in your backyard back and forth because there's a dog on the other side of the fence, and they just wear that grass down into nothing. And it just is dirt. And all of a sudden, your yard is covered with these very clear pathways of dirt because your dogs go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that's how we can think of habits. In our brains, in our bodies, when we do habits, we make this pathway of doing that habit way easier to go down. And your body is super metabolically efficient. Like, it wants to do something as quickly as possible and as easily as possible with as least resources as possible. And that's kind of cool. God gave us the ability to have habits. Isn't that cool? But th this is what makes that a little hard. If you have harmful habits in your life, that means that there is a pathway that's been used over and over and over again that, that could be harmful, but it's the easiest route. And so it's really easy to lean that direction. Maybe that's addiction. Maybe that's apathy. Maybe it's lashing out. Whatever it is, it's easier to lean that direction for you when it becomes a habit. And breaking habits like that takes some serious neurological work that yeah. starts with recognizing it. Yeah, you have to recognize it, and then you have to practice go in the opposite direction or practice making a different path. And so um, kind of going along with the dog run analogy, when you are aware of where the dog runs are, you're seeing you know, where the direction those dogs are going. And this next section, we're going to be talking about habits and how those actually reveal something to us. They reveal what we actually believe. I think that's a point on your paper. Habits reveal what we actually believe. And so that means that the habits that we're building in our marriage say a lot about what we believe as a couple. So how we talk about each other, how we argue with each other, how we fight, disagree, how we spend time together, if we spend time together, how we rest together, if we rest together, all of these things are going to reveal what we actually believe in life. And we may, like for instance, we may say we are a couple who goes to church and we believe in the power of prayer. We believe praying together is important. But if we take a look at our life and there are no habits of praying together, then that actually reveals what we believe about prayer. Does that make sense? Yes. 
it reveals we don't believe that prayer is that powerful or we would have made the habits or put habits in place to do those things. Now, that doesn't, I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody because we've been there before. So the point of this is to analyze and to assess what are, my, what are our habits and what are they revealing about what we actually believe because every single little, little habit we do every day, we, we, we think of habits as these little things that don't make up that much of our life, but every single little habit we do every day, no matter how insignificant they are, they are forming us. They're forming us as a couple, and they reveal what we believe, uh, not what we say we believe. So here's a quote uh, that is in your notes. Habits obscure what we really worship, but when examined, when we take a look at our weekly, daily, monthly habits as a couple, they reveal what we actually believe and who we're actually putting our trust in. There, here's a quote from Habits of the Household that I love. It says, when it comes to spiritual formation, our household, or we could also think about our marriages, our, our, our marriages are not simply products of what we teach and say. They are much more products of what we practice and do, and there's usually a significant gap between the two. If our hearts always followed our heads, we would not need to practice the things we learned. We would just learn about it and the rest would follow, but that's not how humans work, which is why bi the biblical understanding of sanctification, which remember, sanctification is just the process of becoming like Jesus, being transformed in the image of Jesus. That's a process, right? So how does that process work? Well, it doesn't work through education. So what does that mean? We don't become the image of Jesus by just going to weekend messages together as a couple, going to equip nights together, knowing good theology. Like, education is important, but that actually doesn't change you. That doesn't form you. Practices do. And what are practices? There are habits as a couple. Yeah. Is this making sense? Yeah. So before we get into some good habits... Um, and, and talk about some of the things that have worked in our marriage or just in general that we need to be focusing on as believers. Um, the reality is that many of us find ourselves in marriage similar in a similar place to the two fish that we opened up with in the story. We're just kind of going through life unaware of the habits that we're swimming in. We've all been there before. We're just kind of going through life. Life is busy. Kids are, kids are wild. Uh, finances are, are tight, whatever the case may be for you, we're just kind of going through life and we're living, we're swimming in the habits of our marriage and not even aware of them. And so, again, we keep hammering this, but part of getting good habits is first being aware of our bad habits. Does this make sense? Um, and so if we're not careful as couples, we, be, we can become oblivious to the everyday bad habits that are forming our marriage. So we may say we are one type of couple. We may believe certain things about the Lord, about how he's called us to live, but there could be a gap between what we believe and how we're actually walking through life. And so what we want to do right now is just be really vulnerable and transparent with, with you guys as couples. Um, and we want to invite you guys to have a moment to just be real and be like, okay, we're going to analyze. Are there some habits that we are just swimming in? Um, we're not taking much consideration about and how are they forming us? So, um, and I say all this to say this, the point isn't just to list out our bad habits, but what we're wanting to do is, to, uh, through this exercise we're about to do, is we want to see what these habits say about what we believe. So there's an example, there should be a graph in your notes. There's a graph that comes from the common rule, and there's two columns in it. The left side of the column, it's a bad habit, 
and the right side of the column is what that belief is affirming. Um, so sometimes when we look at a bad habit, it doesn't seem that insignificant at face value, like uh, scrolling on Instagram too long. Like we all do that sometimes. We all scroll too much on social media. That's like a modern problem today. We all have been there before. And that's a habit that when we look at it at surface level, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but it, it's actually affirming a belief. And so these are examples that are found in the book. These are Justin Early's examples of his bad habits and the beliefs they affirm. So we're going to go through these real quick, and then we are going to do these as couples. Y'all following well, hold me? Hold on. We're going to go through these real quick, and then we're oh, going to give you guys our ours. bad habits yes. <laughs> for the sake of vulnerability. And that then we still do today. We, yeah, they're recent. <laughs> and then we're going to go through this as couples separately. Sweet. So these are examples from the book. Again, left column is the bad habit. Right column is the belief that it affirms. So the first one is this. Wake up exhausted again because I never go to bed on time. That's a bad habit. This is a bad habit that Justin wrote in his book. Well, that doesn't look that bad on the, on the surface level, but what belief is that affirming? I am not a creature. I am infinite. My body will be fine. I'm a god. <laughs> now, that now, really extreme. Yeah, yeah. It was very, I, I don't know if I would have written it that he way. He went right in the deep. He end. did. He did. But as believers, that is not what we believe. We believe that we are limited, right? Our body is a temple, so we should honor it at some level, right? Look at this next one. Look at work emails on my phone before getting into bed. All right. So this is a bad habit he listed. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal on the outside, but what's the belief that it's affirming? I can miss a quiet time. E. I can miss a quiet time, but I can't miss a quick response. Unless I'm well regarded in the office, I'm not worth anything. So again, it's like when you first read the, the bad habit, it's like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just reading an email. But the belief that it's affirming is if I don't read this, I, I'm less than. Or what about, what are they gonna, how are they going to view me at work? So there's no boundaries there. There's no rules there. Is this making sense? Here's the next one. If a manager asks for something late uh, in the day um, and an unrealistic deadline, always say yes. If a social event comes up, always go for it. So that's a bad habit, right? Look at, the, uh, look at the belief that affirms. I will become the very best version of myself by expanding my options so I can't say no. I may be tired and busy. My family may be exhausted by my unpredictability, but if I don't preserve choice, I can't be who I really am. So that's a, that's a belief that it's affirming when, our, when we constantly, we, we, don't, we have no ability to say no or have a best yes for our family. Did you have something to say about well, that? Well, I was going to say, I think we should move on and do ours. Y'all get it from that example? Okay. Yeah. We don't have to go on. Cool. Do you want to hit them? I do. All right. Uh, These are I, our well, bad well, habits. <laughs> Sorry. Go okay, for it. Yeah. I was going to say, before we do this, I'll say this because we went through this exercise before asking you guys to do it. And this exercise is a no offense zone between you and your spouse. That means if your spouse brings up something that you're like, I'm sensitive about that. This is not the place to be offended about that. This is a, we can openly talk, we can be as honest as we need to be with each other to bring up these real things that are happening in our everyday life without being angry at each other or finding reasons to be offended. And I say this because um, when we did this exercise, I had to be like, whoa. And then I was like, wait, hold on, hold on. We're working on this together, we're yeah. a team. 
Yeah. Cool. No offense zone. It's okay if it's uncomfortable. Oh yeah. We just don't want offense. No offense. So. Okay. So let's go th through some Keep of our personal examples. I know it's very close. Um, these are some of our bad habits. Uh, some of them are Jackson's. Some of them are mine. But these are some of the things that we do. And yeah, most of these things we still do, and we're still working on. So first one is this: shutting down in the middle of an argument. I'm going to put you on the spot. That's you. That's me. <laughs> Shutting down in the middle of the argument, that means just not talking anymore. I'm done. I, I'm, yeah, I'm disappearing. I didn't like what you said, so I'm done. I'm done. I'm done mentally. So what is, this, what is the belief, if you look at your chart that you guys are going to fill out? Shutting down in the middle of an argument, the belief is I don't have to respond when I'm uncomfortable or angry. I don't have to respond, which in marriage is not true, right? But that's the belief. So... The second one that we wrote down for us is raising my voice slash slamming things in the middle of an argument. That's me. <laughs> That's me. I've been vulnerable with y'all. That's something that I do. I raise my voice. I get real passionate about something. I'm like, I'm right about that. <laughs> what is the belief behind that? I promise you I didn't even know this till I did this exercise. The belief behind that is I won't be heard unless I make myself seen. My needs won't be heard unless I make myself seen, right? Another bad habit, waiting until the last minute to tell my spouse about plans that I've made with other people. We both we do We both this. do that. We're like, oh, tonight, right now. <laughs> and it's like, what's the belief yeah. behind that, You did though? that this week. Did I? Yeah, you were like, Sunday night, you were like, oh, by the way, I have core group tomorrow morning oh, at yeah. 7. <laughs> I was like, so you got the baby, right? Great. Um, that's a bad habit, though, because what does it believe? What's the belief it affirms? That your spouse can bend their schedule to meet. I didn't want to say no to other people, make them unhappy, but you'll understand. You'll understand, right? Bad habit number four, phones out during dinner. We do that sometimes. It's a bad habit. Here's what it, the, the belief it affirms. Spending time next to each other on the phone counts as quality time, right? Even if I don't feel that way tomorrow, like I'm, I'm tired right now and this is, this is easier. Another bad habit, this is yours. <laughs> Starting dishes when I'm done eating instead of waiting for everyone to be finished. Mar and I will be like... Does anybody else do that? Like, we'll be like just... No one does it. It's just you. No. <laughs> we'll be like just starting to eat. Thank and I you. swear... Thank you. Jackson finishes his whole plate and he's already doing the dishes. The second I'm done with my plate, he's I just go and start and cleaning doing the kitchen. Dishes. And it's not every time. We're working on it. You're, you're really No, I'm getting better, better at sitting and listening and talking. Because me and Marlo, they're there by ourselves. Like, where'd you go? <laughs> uh, what's the belief that affirms? It affirms a clean house is more important than sitting at dinner longer. We eat dinner all the time. If I get these dishes done, I'm going to be more successful. Um, the last bad habit we put on here for our marriage is we do our BT journals at the same time and then we don't talk about it and we just go to bed. We do ours at night, so we're just like shut our books and we're like, good night. But we don't talk about it. We just do them next to each other. Um, and what belief does this affirm? Well, they probably got something good out of that. And talking about it's going to take a long time and we really should go to bed or we have a busy day and they love the Lord. They're fine. That's really what it affirms. Yeah. That kind of hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing though. Okay. So those are our bad habits and the beliefs they affirm. It was a really cool experience for us to write those out and talk about them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you guys 15 minutes. 10 to 15. 10 to 15 minutes. Get with your spouse. Write you out some of your bad out. habits. Um, I'll give, if you, yeah, if you need to spread out, go for it. I'm going to give you guys a tip. It really helped us to write out all the bad habits first and then write out the beliefs. Yes. 
Oh yeah, sorry. They're in the back. Go to the back oh, of the yeah. packet. Sorry, There's empty two turrets graphs. are in the back. Use the first one. Write out your bad habits. Write out your beliefs. Sweet. And we'll come back together. Does this make sense? Does anybody have any questions or concerns? All right, cool. I gotta stand up. Fifteen, ten to fifteen minutes. Ready, set, go.
couple more minutes, couple more minutes to wrap up. It's getting a little quieter. Nobody's fighting, at least loudly. So good job, guys. <laughs> Start wrangling it in. Start bringing it back in. Wrangle it. All righty, everybody. Start wrapping it up. Come back to your seats. Are we all okay? Did we survive? Did we make it? Was that good? Maybe not super fun, but... Some of them seem like they were having what fun. I what I liked about that exercise is it's like it's it's a little uncomfortable, but like it's amazing how you can just you really can just go through life and be so busy and with kids and work and all the responsibilities that come with being parents or being in a marriage, you can just go through life and never talk about these things or have a space to just be like, hey, this is a bad habit I've noticed about me or you or whatever. So I thought this was a really cool exercise for us. I hope you guys got some fruit out of it. Um, but y'all ready to keep going? Yeah. Keep trucking? All right. Somebody's like, please, let's go. <laughs> what did I say? Say so got some fruit out of there? Some nuggets of oh, wisdom? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Chicken nuggets? Yeah, some nugs. All right, so this next um, section, right after this, we are going to be talking about rethinking our habits as something called a liturgy. This is what... Justin Early writes a lot in both of his books, reshaping, rethinking our habits as liturgies. Now, um, for me, this was the most impactful thing uh, going through these books. It was what stuck out to me the most. It was what breathed the most life into the way I view our habits and my habits individually as a person. And some of you guys in the room, you might be like, I have no idea what the heck a liturgy is, and that's okay. Um, others of you, you might know very much what a liturgy is if you grew up in like a really ritualistic or, or a structured form of worship. So maybe you grew up Catholic or uh, 
Reformed Baptist, or I don't know, um, and you grew up in a style of, of church that had liturgies, so there was rituals that happened during worship, so you may have an idea of this term. Some of you might hear this term liturgy, and you're like instantly turned off because you think of like, this is about works. It sounds like religion, not a relationship with God, so I just want to define what a liturgy is because it is a really, really beautiful way to rethink our habits for our marriage. So a liturgy is this. It is a pattern of words or actions repeated regularly as a way of worship. The goal of liturgy is for the participant to be formed into a certain way. So this kind of sounds like sanctification, being transformed to the image of Jesus. The goal of a liturgy it can be taken too far into religion, but that's not the heart behind a liturgy. The heart and the goal is that you would do this so much that you are formed into a certain image. Is this making sense? So in the common rule, Justin Early, he talks about the differences between a habit and a liturgy. I think this is in your uh, notes. It says, I love this. Notice how similar the definition of liturgy is to the definition of a habit. They are both something repeated over and over, which forms you. The only difference is a liturgy admits that it's an act of worship. So habits are a way of worshiping something. They just don't admit that you're worshiping something. A liturgy admits I'm doing this over and over again to worship. Is this making sense? Yes. I'm doing this purposefully in order to be formed into a certain image. Habits are doing the same thing. We just don't acknowledge them that way. So this is what's really cool about this. Rethinking our habits as liturgies can cause us to start to look at um, the little insignificant everyday habits that we do as forms of worship because that's actually what they are. And so we aren't telling you tonight that you need to start calling your habits liturgies in your house. That could be weird. I don't know. But the idea, the idea of viewing your habits in this way is something that's really cool because it gets you to start thinking, okay, how are my habits, how are our habits either bringing Jesus or the practicing the way of Jesus into our home or how are these habits pulling us away from that image? Um, because the reality is if we don't take control of our habits, eventually our habits are going to be taking control of us. We're going to be at the will uh, and the mercy of whatever is just right in front of us if we have no structure or liturgies for our marriage. We're gonna be at the will of our phones. We're gonna be at the will of our work schedules, um, our kids, financial stress, whatever's just right in front of us, the, the most immediate urgent thing in front of us, that's what's gonna take control instead of liturgies or habits that we've already created. So just to get really nerdy with you guys for a second, if that's cool with y'all, this actually comes from um, something that has been practiced for 2000 years as Christians, it's this thing called the rule of life. Now, this is something that we don't really talk about very much in modern church anymore. This is kind of like a monastic, like monk term, a rule of life, but it actually goes all the way back to the book of Daniel. You guys remember Daniel? He's living in Babylon. He's living in a very ungodly nation. And him and his servants, they committed themselves to living a rule of life. They were living a specific way, eating specific foods, drinking specific things, uh, praying at specific times, and it was a way for them to be in the world, but not of the world, right? And we also see this happen um, in Acts 2. When the church is born, we see that they all, they all start to pick up these habits as a community. They're giving generously. 
it says that they're meeting in small groups and homes, and they're also meeting for prayer in the temple. You guys remember this, Acts 2? And the church is exploding, and one of the ways that the church grew was because all of these believers had a different way of living. Like, they didn't just say they believed in Jesus. They practiced a rule of life that everybody else saw was so different and attractive that they wanted it. And so um, this language uh, for a rule of life, again, it's, like, it's not something that we talk about in church a whole lot, um, but it has, it's connected to a statement of faith, basically. So like every church today has a statement of faith. Yeah. Uh, New Song, if you go onto our website, our church has a statement of faith or a rule of faith. So you can go on there and you can see what New Song affirms, like what we believe about the Bible, the gifts of the Spirit, all that stuff is on there. And statements, statement of faiths are important, right? Because you want to check that before you go to a church or you're going to end up finding yourself in a cult by accident. So like you want to know, do I agree with this church, uh, with my beliefs? Do we have the same statement of faith? Um, but for the greater portion of like historic Christianity, if you were a part of a church or a Christian community, your church didn't just have a statement of faith or a rule of faith, but your church had a rule of life. And that meant that everybody in your community was on the same page about the way you guys were living, the habits that you did every day. It wasn't just like, this is what we say we believe, but everybody was practicing what they actually said they believe with their habits. Everybody had a rule of life. And so these rules of life could have to do with things like daily prayer rhythms. So like your whole entire community would pray morning, noon, and night together. That was something, that was a, that is a liturgy that your whole community did together. Or uh, scripture reading. Everybody would come together in one place daily for a scripture reading. Or like what, like what we do at New Song, our Being Transformed journals. That's a liturgy that we all do together. Uh, most of us, hopefully all of us, do together. That's a rule of life for our church. Um, and some can like look at this and because the reality is some, some churches and traditions over time took that rule of life too far and it became something that was legalistic. And so liturgy kind of gets this bad, there's this bad like taste in our mouths. It sounds religious. It sounds like rules. We don't want that. We're free. We've got grace, right? But um, the heart behind a rule of life was never to be legalistic. It was to all be formed into the same image of Jesus together. And so the whole point of that is to not just say we believe in something, but to actually practice it through our rule of life. Is this making sense? Um, and so I would just like to say to all of us, uh, maybe our marriages do need a rule of life because all of us, I'm sure, have a statement of faith for our marriage. Like we don't, it's not like hanged up on our wall in our house. Maybe it is, maybe our house, we've got this little sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe you guys have that in your house too. So it's like our statement of faith, the Wilsons serve the Lord. Whatever, whoever you guys are, we serve the Lord. This is our statement of faith. But does your marriage have a rule of life? This is how we actually practice that on a daily basis together as a couple. Yeah, so when we're talking about liturgies, I want to take a second and talk about the goal of liturgy in marriage. And to do that, I want to take a second and ask the question, what's the goal of marriage? What is the goal of marriage here on earth that God created? And the goal is this. It's to grow in and reflect covenant love. The goal of yeah. marriage is to grow in and reflect covenant love. I love this quote from Habits of the Household. It says this, 
It is a terrible friction to imagine we can be good mothers and fathers without being good husbands and wives. In the story of God, the strength of the household depends on the strength of the marriage. It may be the most practical and most profound thing that we do. So we pause here in the middle of this book to talk about the habit that holds all of the other habits together. Come on. The habit of covenant love. Covenant love is this. It's the complete opposite of love as a feeling. Covenant love says, I love you despite what it costs me. It says, I love you despite what it costs me. And, and humans did not come up with this idea of covenant love. No, God came up with the idea of covenant love. Creation starts and ends with covenant love. It starts and ends with marriage, with Adam and Eve in the garden, and then at the end of days with Jesus in the church. Um, Genesis 2.24, just to refresh ourselves on creation and marriage, Genesis 2.24 says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 2.18 says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And I love this verse because the word helper there is a really cool word. It's used to describe the Holy Spirit and woman. I just think it's cool. Okay, nugget free there. Moving on. Um, when our marriages are growing and functioning the way God intended them to, they are powerful pictures to our kids, to our community, and to the world of covenant love. This is another cool quote from Habits of the Household. I love this one, seriously. It says, when we practice covenant love, we teach our kids that love is not something you stop practicing just because you stop feeling it. Love is something you finally feel because you keep practicing it. It is by acting like people in love that we become people in Oof, love. That's so good. It is by acting like people in love that we become people in love. So covenant love in marriage is achieved by this idea of oneness. And we've all heard this. If you've been married in this room, we asked earlier, there's only a few people that haven't. You know, you're at your, your, your wedding, and they say that. One flesh, two shall become one. Oneness is the goal of marriage, right? Guzik says this, David Guzik, by the way. He says, oneness is about coming together in everything. Oneness is not about each person agreeing about everything. It's not about doing everything together, and it's not about going the same direction but separately. It's about becoming one. They shall become one flesh. Though an initial bond in a one flesh relationship can be formed at the first sexual relationship that a couple has, the fullness of what God wants to do in one flesh relationships takes time. It has to become. Yeah, that's so good. So um, for the next uh, section of the course, and we're going to have to speed through this ish so we can have, so they, so they can have time, um, speed ish super, super quickly. But um, this is going to be liturgies. Uh, for oneness. So we're going to be looking at specific areas um, that we think are important for all of us to be constantly monitoring and asking ourselves, are we one in this area? Are we growing towards oneness or are our habits uh, causing us to, I love what David Guzik said, go in the same direction, but separately. That's, that's not oneness. A lot of us like just because of the busyness of life, that's what our marriages can tend to look like. We're all going in the same direction. We're doing the same things, but we're doing it separately. 
So we're wanting to say, how can we do these things that we're going to talk about in just a second and in a way that is bringing us closer and causing oneness? So the five areas we're going to talk about, some more than others, are uh, the liturgies that we can use for communication, devotion, that's talking about our walks with God, intimacy, we know what that is, rest, and play. Hopefully you know what that is. So Okay, we're going to start with communication. Um, I love communication, so I quickly was like, me, let me talk about this one. Uh, communication. So here's a liturgy for you guys. This is a practical. This is something that we do in our marriage. I think we read this in a book. We did. Okay, because I'm it. not really sure who taught us this, but we've been doing it since, like, day one. In our marriage, we ask this question on a regular basis. And just like I said earlier with that exercise, this is a no offense zone question. That means in our marriage, whatever the answer is, the other person is receptive of that answer and kind to that answer. There's no like, what, but I, blah, blah. No, it's like, okay, that's how you feel and I'm going to value that. So the question is this, and we ask this every week, sometimes multiple times a week. We ask this question, do you feel loved by me? Do you feel loved by me? And the answer is a simple yes or no. And then if it's a no, obviously, we talk a little more about that. And to be honest, you know, the answer is kind of rarely no. But it has happened before. It, this question is a great check-in. The practice is simple. When I say, do you feel loved by me, I'm asking, am I doing my job as your spouse? Am I meeting the mark that we have set up together? Are there expectations that you have that I don't see right now? And the goal of this communication is to reevaluate our blind spots, because we're all humans after all. There's no way to be certain that we're going to be absolutely perfect in our marriage 100% of the time. And if you have that 100% of the time right expectation of your spouse, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a bad habit, right? Because we all have blind spots. Often, I think what couples miss is communicating properly about the areas we feel our spouse is meeting our needs in and is not meeting our needs in, the greatest of those being loved. So do you feel loved by me? It's a habit you can take with you, take it or leave it. Um, but I want to take a second and talk about what I just said, meeting our needs. So let's talk about needs. What are they? Well, first, I want to say that there are many needs in your life that only God can meet. And it's important to evaluate your personal needs and separate what's God only and what's spouse also. Because your spouse can meet some of your needs, right? But there are needs that it's a God hole and only God can fill that hole. And if you're looking at your spouse for those, you're going to get a little hurt. However, being married, you're allowed to need things from your spouse. And after we know what our needs are, either that's emotionally, maybe that's physically, maybe it's mentally, I don't know. Once we know what our needs are, it's then our job, not our spouse's job to tell them what those needs are. We can't expect them to know them perfectly, and you know what, we can't expect them to remember them perfectly. I think sometimes as couples, we get frustrated that I have to tell you my needs so much, like why can't you just know them? But that's the point. Needs change all the time. And when you recognize a need in you, it's your job to say, this is my need. And by the way, this is how you could meet that need. Um, if you want to give them some extra help there, that's okay. I think of that all the time. Sometimes I think of things that it's like, this is my need, and I'm not going to let you guess about that. I'm just going to tell you exactly, this would really help me if you said this this way. Yeah, there's been times where Haley's been like, I need you to hug me more today because I don't right feel now. loved by no, you. Just and that's good because then I, I know exactly what she wants. She's been clear, which is kind. We, that's something we say in our house, clear is clear kind. Clear is kind. Um, and that, that gives me like, okay, I know exactly what you need. Now I can meet that need for you. And... She's not running around 
just waiting for me to read her Why mind. Why doesn't he just know? And do it. Because he wants. doesn't just know. Jackson's not as much as a hugger as I am, honestly. But I used to be, not anymore. He used to be. I, maybe I hugged it out of you. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so communicating our needs helps us to live in total vulnerability with our spouse. Some other things I want you guys to think about with the liturgies of communication. Here's another question for you. And this is, a, this is an internal question. Is there anything that you don't know? And this is not just what I think you should know. This is the little details of your day and your life and the things that frustrate you and the stuff you saw on Instagram and the spam calls that you got and these little details that I think we forget are important to our spouse. And I bring up the spam call thing because like, I love this about Jackson. He just did this the other day. He was like, I'm getting so many spam calls. All day he's telling me about this. And I'm thinking like, okay, but sorry. Like, but you know what that kind of communication does? If I see his phone with a bunch of random calls on it, I already know. Like, I don't have to look at his phone and be like, who's calling you? Do you know these people? I'm not thinking these questions. I already know because we talk about these little details in our lives. And I'm thinking constantly, is there anything you don't know? And I don't, I don't mean that to be like, you need to talk about, like, exactly what you ate for lunch and exactly. No, not, not that kind of stuff. But these little details that might be important or maybe you feel convicted yeah. for a second. This is important. Yeah, like I another one this. I think a good one just with, like, the age we live in and, like, social media and stuff. There's been plenty of times where... Like, I'm just scrolling through Instagram, and I saw something I did not want to see. And it, you know what? It's really easy to just scroll past that and to be like, I didn't look. I don't need to tell her because I, I like, kept going. I didn't. Yeah. I did, my eyes didn't wander. Right. Um, but there's been a lot of times where that's happened, and I just tell her anyway, like, hey, I was not looking or searching for this, but I was scrolling through Instagram, and I saw this, and it made me feel some type of way. And yeah. I wanted you to know he, about it. Yeah, I love that because it's like, I know your heart. I know you're not looking for that. I am on social media too. I've seen those things pop up too. But your honesty and communication with me leaves me no questions. I don't have any concerns. I'm not concerned. I know that anything, you're going to be like, hey, I saw that. Or hey, this happened. And I do the same for you. And so we have this total openness. And that's my second thing. Communicating the details of our lives helps us live in total openness with our spouse. Um, so the details, that could look like that. Seeing something on social media, Random things throughout your day that you think of, nothing to hide on your devices, your credit cards, your money. I'm sure all of us get notifications when our spouses spend money. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Maybe you have a separate Venmo from your spouse. Just letting them know what you're up to, what you're doing, your hobbies, your friends, your work life. I've worked with plenty of people now who don't think it's a problem to lie to their spouse and who think it's fine to go out to drinks, and I just won't tell her about it. Like, it's totally fine. Like, no big deal. And I can't let that culture rub off on me because we live in a different kingdom, right? Okay, so total vulnerability plus total openness and communication equals total oneness. Total vulnerability plus total openness equals total oneness. And lastly, I just think with communication, it's important to say being on the same page as your spouse is good, but it's not as good as connecting with some of those nonverbal communications as well. Have you said I love you today is a great question to ask. Have I said I love you today? Have we kissed? Have we kissed today? Sometimes with kids, y'all, you forget. <laughs> you're running around with those kids, and then you're like, oh, bye, see you later. Like, you know, and there's not this moment where, have you intentionally kissed your spouse today? Have you hugged your spouse today? And I don't just mean like a hi. I mean like a, a real hug. And I'll get into this. This is some of my takeaways from the communication portion of this. I read this thing recently that talks about how you should kiss your spouse for six minutes a day. That doesn't have to happen all at once unless that's how you roll. You could do it that way. Five minutes in the lobby. Ready, go. Go. No, that's our next <laughs> exercise. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. 
Six minutes a day collectively. What are they doing in that marriage class? <laughs> Make time to kiss your spouse. And I also, in the same thing, they were talking about a 20-second hug. And that means when you take time to hug your spouse, sit there, okay? Give it some time. Don't be, don't be rushed in that. 20-second hug, six-minute kiss. Do you feel loved by me? Ask that question. Do you feel loved by me? Um, if you want to get better at giving details to your spouse about your day, I know Jackson sometimes, he's such a busy day, he forgets. And my mind's like texting him all day about what's going on in my life anyway. But taking little notes on your phone and then at dinner being like, oh, here's all the things I thought about and I wanted to tell you about today. Or here's some little things that I thought maybe you should know. Um, call at lunchtime and catch up. If you haven't talked all day, take a second. Don't sit with your work buddies and, and call, call your spouse. See what's up. See how their day is going. Text throughout the day. Snapchat, Instagram message each other. Do the things that you did when you were dating or maybe if you were dating now, you would do. Those little pursuits of communication go such a long way. Yeah. The next one, we're going to fly through a couple of these, um, is the liturgy of devotion. Um, and this is just about your walk with the Lord collectively as a couple. I think it's so easy in our culture um, and the way like I think Americans view our faith, it's very individualistic. It's like my faith, my walk with the Lord. And when we find our spouse if they're equally yoked with us and they love the Lord too, it's really easy to get married and just assume we are both hearing from God or we're both good or we both got something from that message. Oh, he's or, raising his hands. Or yeah, he's good. we're both reading scripture or getting in the word every day and we can just assume that the other person is walking with the Lord uh, powerfully or intimately yeah. um, and never check up on our faith. I think that's just some, that's a habit. That's a bad habit that we can all easily fall into. So some questions that we can ask when it comes to our devotion to the Lord together as a couple are, are these. Are we separately walking with Jesus or do we walk with Jesus together? Do we pray together? Um, do I know what God is teaching you in this season? That's an awesome question you could ask your spouse. What is God teaching you right now in this season? Um, are we being a team, um, helping each other be in biblical community outside of our of our marriage because the reality is I understand that um, we are in a really great place and like I sharpen her very well and she sharpens me but there also need to be women in Haley's life that she's equally yoked with that I am helping her make time for to go see and sharpen and vice versa there's guys in my life that I need to see on a fairly regular basis to sharpen me so are we working together as a couple to make sure we're sacrificing so that that person can be in a core group or hang out with guys or girls um, that are going to sharpen them. Is this making sense? Um, so some habits to take with you for uh, the liturgy of devotion. You could write these down. Committing to doing the Being Transformed journal together. If that's not something you're already doing as a couple, you should start doing that together. It's a really, really easy tool. Everything is laid out for you. There's literally no guesswork. Um, I think serving together is an amazing thing for couples. Um, and I can say this from just experience, not necessarily because we, just, we serve together. We do. Even though we do. But I see a lot of couples on my team serve in New Song students together. And I've seen how much life it's brought yeah. to their, to their uh, marriage to see each other ministering um, and using the gifts God's put inside of them. So finding a team in the church to serve together, or it doesn't even have to be in the church. It could be like, we want to start mentoring this couple and doing that together, finding an area where you're not just receiving all the time, but you are also pouring out as a couple is important for your devotion. 
Uh, third thing is this, worshiping together, obviously attending service together. We need to try and make that a priority. Um, and then debrief. So that means don't just go to service on the weekend and then don't talk about what God talked to you about in the service. Yeah. Don't just like pack up the car, get on with your life, and don't like, you don't share like, oh, God spoke to me about this during the message, or God convicted me about this. We need to be debriefing about those things every single week uh, with our spouses so that we're knowing what's happening spiritually with our, with our spouse. Um, again, praying together every day is important. And then finally, helping your uh, spouse make sure that they have same-sex relationships, equally yoked relationships, and you're making time for them to, to be a part of those so that they're having sharpening, iron sharpening iron relationships. Yes. Okay, the next section is intimacy. Um, and I just wanted to start out with this funny thing. I'm putting us on blast up here. You straight, really are. Straight up. When we got married, we called sex having fun. I don't know if it's just because we wanted a little code word for it. I think it's because we were embarrassed to like say we it. We didn't want to like say it, you know? But the cool thing about calling it having fun is one, it frames this mindset of like, that's the point, you know? <laughs> the point is to have fun. And then the second thing is you could talk about it in front of other people, which now we can't because the secret's yeah. out. If we say that in the lobby, you're going to be like, I know what they're talking about. We'd be like, you want to have fun later? Is that the plan? <laughs> we having fun later? Anyway, so that's a little funny note for you guys just to start it out. But here's my first question for you with, with sex in your marriage. How often do you evaluate your sex life? Because it should be often. We should be having conversations about this with our spouse pretty regularly, right? Do you remember the question I gave you earlier, do you feel loved by me? I have another one for you, and it's a great question to ask, and it's specific to your sex life. Are you ready for it? The question is, are you fulfilled by me? Are you fulfilled by me? That's another one of those regular ones. Are you fulfilled by me? Is what we're doing in our bedroom together, is that fulfilling to you? Does it fulfill your needs? Right? So we can ask this question regularly and check in. The reality is that as a husband or as a wife, it is your responsibility to sexually fulfill your spouse. And to some, that may sound a little backwards because many in the world like to phrase sex like it's all about our desires and what we want and getting what I need, right? But in this backward kingdom that we live in, it's not what you can get from sex, but what you can give in sex to your spouse. The question truly is, how can I serve you? And Pastor Josh and Sarah have said this at New Song many times before, and I'll never forget it because it is such a powerful truth. I promise you, if you approach the bedroom of your marriage with the mindset of pleasing and serving your spouse the best that you can, your sex life will radically change. And maybe you're in here today and you're like, we already have a great sex life. I promise you, it can get better. If you come in to your marriage and say, what can I do to serve you? How can I serve you first and serve you best? So here are some questions to consider when rethinking the habits that surround sex in our marriage. First question is this, how often are we having sex? Here's a good one. Do you guys agree on the amount of sex you have every week? Is one of you like, I want this much? Or the other one's like, I want this much. And you just don't talk about it because like, you know, we lean this way or we lean that way. Do you schedule your intimate time together? We do. It works the best for our schedules if we know when it's coming because otherwise it's yeah. just there's so many things that come up that make you want to put that away. Like yeah. Marlo's not sleeping tonight or I don't know, my stomach kind of hurts. or You just come up with things that just, oh, you know what? Yeah, we'll, we'll move it to tomorrow. And, and that's just not the way we treat it. We realized really quickly that having a mindset of when during the week our time is really helps us follow through. 
And the last question I want you guys to ask is, do you order ahead? And this also comes from Pastor Josh and Sarah's teaching like a really long time ago. I don't even know when that was. But do you order ahead? Meaning, do you tell your spouse when you're like in the mood and say like, hey, I'm ordering ahead tomorrow. Can I reserve this? I'm serious because, guys, we have to get serious about telling our spouses when we have needs and what we, what we desire from them and be honest and let that be a conversation that if he orders ahead or I order ahead, the other person's not like, oh, my goodness, uh, yeah, sure, I'll make time for that. Yeah. But it's like, oh, okay, yeah, like let's do that. And you put that in your mind. Yeah. This actually opens up something. Did you want to say something before I keep going? No, because we don't have time, so just keep oh, going. Oh, great, You're wonderful. killing it. You're killing it. Okay, so in communication, the section, I talked a little bit about needs, and I think this directly comes into our relationships with sex. Needs are important, but I also think there's this thing called wants, and we have to know the difference between needs and wants. First, as married couples, we need to be having sex with our spouses. Oneness is accomplished through that. God made such a great tool for us to connect with each other in a way that nobody else can, so let it be known that it is good to have the need of sex with your spouse. However, we need to know the difference between needing sex and wanting sex. It's also good to want sex with your spouse, but those are two totally different things. And in order for our habits surrounding sex to be in line with oneness in our marriage, it's something that we have to be communicating to one another. In our marriage specifically, a need for sex is kind of a non-negotiable thing. And we know that it's kind of like a hot button for us. That It's like if one of us communicates, hey, no, this is a need, the other person's like, oh, then we're doing it. No questions asked. No interruptions. And you, got, you can't just say it's a need every time, guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a need. I need it. You, make, you hold that to no. a high standard, right? Because it is a high standard. For me, it, the way that we've established our habits and communication around sex, if Jackson or I says it's a need, we both understand that that's a big deal. That means oh, it's been way too long or something is going on and it, we need to make some time for each other. But we've also established the communication of it's a want. This sounds fun tonight. Or, you know, we normally do this many times a week, but like, let's, this sounds fun. Are you, are you down? What do you think about this? And wants are flexible, right? Wants can say, actually, you know what? Tomorrow's a way better time. Do you want to order ahead instead and we'll go tomorrow? Or wants can say, you know what? I have something going on right now. Do you have a couple hours? That's what wants can say. But it's just establishing this communication with your spouse that allows you to say, I have a need or I have a want, um, and I really need you to value that for me. You guys following with that? Okay, so after these conversations that you have with your spouse about your sex life, it's really important that you follow through. Everyone say, follow through. Follow through with your plan, whether that's scheduling, whether it's not scheduling, ordering ahead, saying you have a need, whatever it is, follow through and be consistent with intimacy. Yes. Okay. We're going to have to wrap this up pretty Sorry, quickly. I took some time. That's okay. No, this is all really good stuff. Um, I'm going to be quick on this one, but the liturgy of rest. We need to be making sure that we are intentionally resting together um, as a couple. Now, I say that. Um, knowing that rest looks different in every season. Um, and so I'm talking about rest also in, in, in different levels. So I'm talking about Sabbath, like a day of rest together um, as a spouse. I'm also talking about periods of rest. So making sure we're being intentional about like, are we going on vacation anytime this year? Are we making time to get away with, with it's just us and somebody's watching the kids? Um, and so we get a break. And then also moments of rest every day. Um, and, uh, but, but again, rest looks different every single season. Like 
whenever we were first married and we were working the same full-time job, rest was really easy because we had the same day off. So it was like, it was very easy to say, Friday's our Sabbath, so we're going to spend all day together and we have no kids and it, we're, we're dinking it. So double income, no kids. That's what dink means, so just in case you didn't we, know. Uh, <laughs> so back then it was like, we can do whatever we want on Friday. It's so easy. And now like, it's not as easy because we have a kid and I have a different day off than Haley. And so we have to be um, creative about how we rest together. But the, the point is not to be religious about uh, because the reality is not everybody can have the same exact rest together. But the point is every week, um, are we getting together and talking about, okay, what day are we going to try and spend the most time to, to get together restfully, even if it's with the kids. And then also every day finding moments of rest. So for us in particular, um, that looks like, okay, I'm coming home from work. Haley is still in school right now. So she's like, I ask her every day, are you studying tonight? Okay. So we're going to be watching Marlo until we have dinner and put her down for bed. So for 30 minutes before you go study for two hours, we're going to go outside with the lights. Um, we're just going to sit outside and talk for 30 minutes. That's Eat a moment cream. of rest every day before we have to go back into our work. And so that little intentional moment of 30 minutes of rest together actually says a lot for your spouse. Yeah. And I think it bears a lot of fruit in your marriage. Um, just having like moments of rest every single day together and then working on seeing if you can do rest, uh, weekly as far as Sabbaths go. And then obviously looking forward in the future, as far as vacations, retreats, etc. etc. So the last category is play. Um, and I'll be quick on this as well. When it comes to free time, play time, recreational time, I'm talking time that you're not at work and you're not taking care of your home. Um, and here's the liturgy for this one. Be interested in what your spouse is interested in. And I don't mean your kids. I'm so sorry, but your kids don't count. <laughs> They're a great thing to do together, but kids grow up. And so I'm asking that you be interested in what your spouse is interested in. We call this shared interests. And it's the idea of being in relationship with each other doesn't mean that you have to love the things that they love, the hobbies they have, or the stuff they collect. But it means you're interested in it so that you can share that interest. One thing about me is, like, I love the idea of sports, but I'm not very committed to watching sports. But I love knowing scores of football games because then I can start a conversation with pretty much everybody in Oklahoma, right? <laughs> if I know what's happening with OSU and OU, I could talk to anybody in the new song lobby because everybody cares about that, right? I'm sharing an interest for the sake of conversation. And I do the same thing in our marriage, and so do you, honestly. When we first started, like, we first got married, some of you know this about Jackson, he loves metal music, the kind that, like, is really, you know, aggressive. aggressive is a good word. And when we first got married, I was like, I will never like this. Like, I will not. But you know what I love? I love watching Jackson listen to metal music because he becomes so funny, and he makes all these funny faces, and he's drumming on the steering wheel. It is so much fun to ride in the car with him and listen to metal music, and I don't like metal music. Like... But it's so much fun to see him be him. And if I refuse to share that interest, even just a little bit, like now I know band names and song names. I'd go to a show. That sounds fun. But I still don't love the music. I just share that interest. And I get to share this moment with him where he's being himself. So I don't know if for you, your spouse golfs, or maybe they love going to Target. Whatever it is, share that interest <laughs> for sake of seeing them 
at their best. And then the other thing is this, find things you like to do together. So that means things you truly like to do together, not just one or the other. For us, we love to work out. It's always been something that we've done. We climbed, we run, we do CrossFit. We've just done these things together and we have a practice. And now if I do them by myself, it's not even fun because it's the thing that we do yeah. together. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so we're going to get ready to close. We were going to have you guys do another 15-minute exercise, but we are definitely not going to have time to do that. So here's your homework. Your homework is to take those five areas in your life, those five liturgies, communication. What were the other ones? Devotion. Devotion. Intimacy. Intimacy. Rest. rest and play. play. And I want you to write down one liturgy or one habit for each one of those areas and then the belief that's affirming. Is that making sense? Kind of like the other exercise we did. Just flipped. Yeah, flipping it for those categories for you guys as marriage. These are good habits. These are good uh, liturgies, areas that we want to see growth, create some framework to our marriage, some language. And then here's how that's going to affirm the belief that we believe in our marriage. We believe it's a covenant relationship. We believe it reflects the character of God. Here's why we're doing these things. And then I want to end with this, and then we'll close. Um, I love this quote from Justin in The Common Rule because we're talking about habits. Everybody has experienced the feeling of starting a new habit and then failing, and it's a bad feeling. makes you feel like you suck. makes you feel like you're irresponsible. Um, and what I want to say to you tonight is that failure is actually part of the habit. It's part of the liturgy. The common rule, here's what he says. He says, failure is not the enemy of formation. It's the liturgy of formation. How I deal with failure says volumes about who we really believe we are, who we really believe God is. When we trip up on failure, do we fall into ourselves or do we fall into grace? If the goal is self-help, failure will destroy you. But if the goal is beauty or covenant love or oneness, failure makes that goal shine all the more brightly. So get up and keep walking. So I say that to say this. You guys are going to implement some stuff after this class in your marriage, and you're probably going to stop doing it after a week. <laughs> that doesn't mean you suck, and that doesn't mean you fail. The whole point of this class is just to create awareness, yeah. just to get us to start thinking about our habits weekly, daily as a couple, um, and to just start talking about them so we can create oneness, so we can be one. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's pray, and then we will dismiss you guys. Father, I thank you so much for tonight, and I thank you for the fact that you have um, wired our brains so beautifully and wonderfully and so complexly. Um, and I thank you, God, that we even have the, we have the ability through Scripture to renew our minds, God, that those dog runs that we've created in our mind, those bad habits— Though they are easy to run down when we've created them, your word says that we can actually renew our minds and create new patterns for our life and our marriage. And so right now, I just lift up every single couple in the room tonight, and I thank you that you have called them um, to reflect covenant love. You have called them to reflect the kingdom to their kids, to their schools, their jobs, their families. And so I pray, God, I pray that this class, that you, that you would just inspire each of us to take um, a new inventory of our of our marriages of our walks together um, and how to implement these these habits these liturgies um, in a way that helps us grow in oneness with one another we love you lord we thank you so much for our church we're so grateful for um, a course like this a course and a class and a church that believes in going deeper into the word of god 
um, and not just saying we believe in something, but practicing life like we believe it. And so I pray that as we do that, that we would be formed into the image of Christ in our marriages. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. You are dismissed. <laughs>